I was researching last night and came across this article about the Girl Scouts. Mm-hmm. And so in the last, I don't know, like last month, they came out with like 42 new badges all, that all have to do with like outdoor stuff yeah. and STEM. And so there's like badges, it, the, the badges that are like outdoor stuff that encourage like hiking and rock climbing and backpacking. Campfire. Camp, those, Yes. But those have been... Oh, have those existed? Those have existed for a very long time. But... I don't know. They're encouraging more, like, outdoor stuff mm-hmm. and, like, kind of getting in tune with nature. So they have a bunch of new badges for that. But they also have these badges for STEM. So there's badges you can get in, like, cybersecurity and hacking. <laughs> and, hacking? Yeah, and coding. And there's one you can get for creating, like... A game that also teaches, like, a life lesson. And I was like, mm. that's so fucking rad. That's a lot of... That's really cool. I want to be in Girl Scouts now. <laughs> you can't. I was a daisy for a year. I don't know what that means. That's, like, before you can actually be a Girl Scout, you oh. have to be a daisy. Well, I don't know if you have to be, but because I was so young, mm-hmm. I was, like, four or five, I was a daisy. Okay. I never... You never continued? I never continued, no, because there wasn't a Girl Scout troop when we moved. Oh, to the Dakotas. Yeah, yeah, because we lived in Sioux Falls, which is Mm -hmm. the the biggest city in in South Dakota, and I went to kindergarten in Sioux Falls, but when we moved to Gerritsen, where I went through, like, first all the way through graduating high school, they didn't have... A Girl Scout troop there. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't have a Girl Scout troop until my sister was little. Yeah. You know, was a little bit older. And by then I was like, eh, I have other better things to do. But now I'm like, man, I want to be a Girl Scout. <laughs> <laughs> I've only ever known one Girl Scout in my life. Yeah. One open Girl Scout. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I guess maybe there One were more... One out and proud Girl Scout. Yeah, maybe there were more, but they just never said anything about it. Clipping all these closeted Girl Scouts we got running around. <clears throat> you think I... But, like, you think I'd know them because if yeah. I had the cookies, yeah. I would have bought them. Absolutely. I'm just kidding. I didn't have a job. I was a child. <laughs> you were a child. Oh, mm. that was a jam. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hello. Oh, hello. Hi, everyone. Hi. Cassie's over there. I'm here. That's Mm -hmm. Keeks is is over there on her pillow. Yep. I'm Kiana Henry. Yeah, she is. Danny's here reprimanding me. Danny's over here on the left. Yeah. On our newly shrunken futon. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The futon was on Weight Watchers for a little bit. (laughs) Really slimmed down. Yeah. And then my bed got real fat when we put all that foam on it. It's much harder to get in bed now. <laughs> Did you just hear my neck crack in the audio? Was that your neck? Yeah. Ew, I heard that. Where back, were from, we? back from my neck cracking. Yeah. I took the bus here today. Sure because did. the listen, listeners don't know yet, but I got into a car accident. Monticello! Monticello is in the hospital. R.I.P. Yeah. Oh, he's not no, dead. He's not no, dead. no, he's no. just injured. Monticello is the name of my car. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So I've been... Which was heavily I featured a, in our film last weekend. It was. <laughs> we did the 48-hour film festival. A lot has happened. We've we've had some space in between yeah, recording. And we've only not recorded for two weeks. Yeah. So a lot, lot has happened in two weeks. I started my new job mm-hmm. on my second day. I hit a car. The car crash. And then <laughs> I went to work and was like, I'm still going to still gonna do it. I can't miss. It's my second day. Yeah. Got into a fight with a printer. Mm. We broke the printer. <laughs> me and my coworkers. <laughs> so we had to get, call somebody in. I went home and I drove. The front of my car smashed. But I drove it home because actually nothing's wrong with the engine. Mm-hmm. Still driving. Nice. Like a dream. Yeah. I came home. I had It was just a really bad day. I had a lot of bad news and I was just... Yeah. Oh, Maddie, my friend was going to move here from Wisconsin. Yeah. But due to some unforeseen circumstances, mm-hmm. she's no longer joining us here. At least for now. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I was actually, I was going to ask you when we were done recording, like, so when does Maddie get here? I thought she was coming soon, but now she's... She was supposed to be coming in September, mm-hmm. but now she's not. But I understand it. Okay. Because sometimes life comes at you. Maddie! Maddie! <laughs> but I'm taking it as a... Not now. Maybe later. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, you know, noth- nothing much worse can happen today. Sure. Because it's already been through the ringer. And I watched Chopped, and it was a redemption episode. Okay. And it was a guy who I couldn't stand <gasps> in his no. previous episode. Uh-huh. Came back and he won. No! And I was oh, just like, this is... That. I'm just going to go to bed because this day cannot turn <laughs> itself around. I'm going to watch some weird videos of shit being cut and sliced and crunched. Mm-hmm. Gotta gotta watch those slime videos. Mm-hmm. Go to hit the hay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was my week, and then and then we did the forty eight hour film festival. Yeah. Which go watch the video because you can. You can. We'll post it. It's pretty funny. It's <laughs> <laughs> I had a good time filming it. It was a lot of fun. Hmm. Yeah. What else? Anything else new? New and exciting? Mm-mm. I don't think so. No. Good updates. Yeah. Hard and fast up- updates. <laughs> no jokes. <laughs> Just telling you. This is what happened. I carry uh, around, so the emblem of mm-hmm. my car, the like logo, mm-hmm. it fell off. <laughs> but now I carry it in my backpack. So anytime somebody is like, oh, you haven't, I'm having a bad day. Uh-huh. I just pull out it, it pull it out. <laughs> and I'm like, you're having a bad day. You see this? You see this bad boy? Can't drive anymore. I'm a bus bitch. <laughs> oh, I've lived that life. And then I met Danny. Danny had a car, and then she drove everywhere. Ooh. When we first started hanging out and dating and all that stuff, and now I drive everywhere. Thank goodness, because Danny drives like a race car driver. She does, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a car with her once and was like, one, oh, wow. One time. Oh, wow, we're going, we're going fast. <laughs> Your tiny matchbox car. But I was like, got to play it cool. <laughs> don't, want, don't want her to see me sweat. But now that it's on the table, I was frightened. It's a true story. It's very scary. <laughs> Danny is shaking her head. It, she, she doesn't believe us. She's a liar. It's true. She's she has been, been pulled over a she's lot. Been pulled over a lot because she drives fast, <laughs> I have not and she drives illegal cars. 
<laughs> or cars that been stolen that yeah that people think are her her driving us she drive it like she stole it but she didn't steal it she owns it she just <laughs> continues to drive it very fast and then she yells at cops that think otherwise <laughs> <laughs> danny's feeling very and that's the vulnerable tea. right now because she doesn't have a mic <laughs> can't defend herself <laughs> Danny sent me a really funny meme the other day. Um, you know, it's the meme with the lady. She's bent over. She's got the big sunglasses on. Kind of making this face. Now I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'll Look, I'll post it because it's really funny. And it's like when the person behind you, when you're trying to find out if the person behind you has a roof rack or if it's police lights. What's a roof rack? A roof rack. Oh, rack. Rack. I thought you said rag, like no, what you rack. wipe down a table with. And I was like, like Pete's sake. <laughs> Man, let's get on just the fucking show me ball the meme. here. <laughs> I will show you the meme later. Okay. Also, I'll post it because it's very funny. What, what episode is this? I don't know. Was that echoey? Because I said that into a bottle. <laughs> Probably. I'm really. <laughs> I apologize. We're so professional today. What episode are we on? I don't know. 29? 30? 29. Okay. So okay. odd. I start. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Great. (laughs) So, today I'm going to talk to you about Lady Anne Blunt. I don't know who that is, but I think she's got a good name. (laughs) You're going to, you're going to hear it. So, my sources are thevintagenews.com, Wikipedia, the book Lady Anne Blunt in the Middle East by Lisa McCracken Lacey. Good Mm -hmm. name. Mm Mm-hmm. And also the podcast, The Stuff You Missed in History Class. I love that podcast. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's a good, informative piece of media. So anyways, talk to you about Lady Anne Blunt. Okay. She was born Anne Isabella King Noel in 1837 to her parents, William King and Ada Lovelace. Oh, that's right! Yep. Okay, real quick. I love that we are both... Look, spoiler alert. I'm talking about someone who I vaguely mentioned in the last episode oh as are you <laughs> and i love that we're both on this like continuation just a part two mm-hmm. the sequel what what okay <laughs> <laughs> so talking mm-hmm. about ada lovelace's mm-hmm. daughter so Anne was mostly raised by her grandmother as her mother was busy with math and gambling yeah as we heard <laughs> uh and her dad was a just like a typical man of the era and didn't really think it was his job to engage his children so mm-hmm. he wasn't really in her life um but he really liked lady byron who's Ada's mother okay they were close and so he trusted her to raise his children yeah uh unsurprisingly grandmother heavily encouraged a life of academia mm-hmm. however Unlike Ada, Anne was allowed to participate in the more artistic side of life. Oh, okay. Rather than Instead of, like, math, science. science. Here we go. That was really that good. Was, <laughs> that was unscripted, everyone. That was everyone. unplanned, everybody. <laughs> We're just that same brain length. We're on it today. Goddamn. <laughs> Carry on, please. Um, so she studied languages. By the end of her life, she was fluent in French, German, Italian, Spanish, and Arabic. Damn. Uh, she was a very talented artist and studied under John Ruskin. Mm-hmm. And she was also a skilled violinist. And I didn't write this down, but there's the Lady Blunt Stradivarius, which is a type of violin that just sold for like $15 million. Oh, wow. And that was hers. That's incredible. She was good. Yeah. I just had to take a long breath. <laughs> I don't we were, know why. We were reprimanded <laughs> earlier for 
breathing into the microphone. So we're both like, I'm like hyper aware of my breathing. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, it's too loud. Why do I need to breathe? Anywho. When Anne was 15, she took up the task of being her mother's bedside nurse. Well, Ada was on her deathbed. Mm-hmm. Her and her mother were never close. And even though Anne was taking care of Ada, did not feel the love from her mother. Yeah. Uh, Ada described Anne and her brothers as Lady Byron's grandchildren rather than my children. <laughs> and in Damn. like several accounts, on paper at least, uh-huh. referred to them as irksome bothers. Oh. So she. Okay. I don't think she was really happy to have kids. Right? Not really her jam, but. Yeah. And on her deathbed, I mentioned this in the last episode, but Ada told Anne that she would never live past 40. Mm hmm. Because Ada had died at 36 and. Um, yes. What is the man called? Lord Byron. Lord Byron, yeah. <laughs> it was like the lady, ver- the lady, the man version of lady. Lord Byron also died at 36. And that comment stuck with Anne her whole life. Mm-hmm. And that'll come up later. Okay. But so after her mother died, her father decided to step up and take an active role in her mm-hmm. life. And he also began to distance himself from Lady Byron. So even though they were close in Ada's child, um, in oh, Anne's okay. childhood, yeah. they started distancing themselves from one another um mm-hmm. and didn't know the exact reason why tensions were happening in between them uh-huh. but knew it had to do with secrets between ada william and lady byron mm-hmm. so I remember on ada's deathbed she told That's william right. something that made him abandon her mm-hmm. so she thinks it had something to do with that but again nobody knows nobody what that knows. was yeah anywho secrets don't make friends exactly but seeing as Anne was raised by Lord uh, Lady Byron up until this point, she was really close with her and kept in contact with her behind her father's back. Mm. And Lady Byron often encouraged Anne to manipulate her father. <laughs> <laughs> and not in, like, ways that were necessarily bad, but, like, Lady Byron had an idea of how Anne should be raised. Yeah. And she would, would make Anne ask her dad for those oh, things and kind of like lead him in yeah. that path so she wasn't being malicious she was just like you know mm-hmm. here's an idea and he was like oh that's great yeah <laughs> yeah okay and one such thing that Anne manipulated him into doing was taking her on his travels around europe so she wanted to be a cultured young lady very cool and on these travels is when she really strengthened her language competency and also practiced her landscape sketching she also found that she really, really liked traveling, and she really liked writing about it in her journals. So a lot of her life story is told from her perspective that mm-hmm. we can read from her journals that That's she took. That's really cool. Is this um, made into a book? I'll you get know. to it. Okay. okay. <laughs> Sorry. Jumping the gun. In 1866, Anne was introduced to a man named Wilfred Blunt. Uh, while traveling in Italy. They were both English, but they both spent a lot of time traveling. And it was actually pretty surprising that they hadn't met each other until this point Uh because they ran in the same circles. Oh, okay. Wilfred was described as a rake. A rake? Uh, You know. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Like a a hoe. Yeah. Have you seen that Jeopardy clip? No. Of (laughs) Ken Jennings. It was like the definition of a rake. Mm-hmm. And it, it was, we're going to pause this. I have to okay. look it up. <laughs> Don't actually pause. 
Okay. So, Alex Trebek said, This long-handled gardening tool can also mean an immoral pleasure seeker. (laughs) And Ken Jennings, the famous Jeopardy contestant, said, What is a hoe? (laughs) (laughs) And Alex Trebek went, No! And then somebody else buzzed in and says, What is a rake? (laughs) Good TV. (laughs) Anyways, but that's what a a rake is, an immoral pleasure seeker. Okay. Good. <laughs> so that's what Wilfred was described as. So he wasn't a good dude. Mm-hmm. And he was, quote, poor for the circle he ran in, but he was okay. still able to, like, travel. And he was also a charismatic diplomat who wooed many women. And that's why he was a rake. Absolutely. One of these women that he wooed promised him that she would set him up with a rich lady so that okay. he would live the life he deserved because uh-huh. he was so charismatic. And so... Enter Lady Anne Blunt. Gotcha. So they met. He attempted to woo her and, and pretty much failed. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he wrote her a letter after he left Italy that was like, you know, I was going to propose to you, but I, I ended up not doing that. But like, oh. what do you th- what do you think? Like, what if I were to what yeah. if I, checkbox? Yes or no, <laughs> essentially. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then she wrote back and was like, well, that was, that was nice of you to think about that. Um. I hesitate to even give an answer because I'm, you know, mm-hmm. very politely like, I'm not into it. It's <laughs> a classy so, lady right there. <laughs> his wooing didn't work, but then that Christmas or like the holiday season or whatever, his family stayed with Lady Anne Blunt. Okay. And they essentially wooed her. Oh, and so she's she, like, I mean, your family's the shit. Yeah. And then they got married. Gotcha. Um, she most likely agreed to it because she was reaching, like, spinster age status and it was mm-hmm. becoming, like, socially... She's undesirable. Yeah, socially She's poor. 24. <gasps> She's, like, in her 30s. <laughs> <laughs> and there was little romance between the two, but they had, like, common interests mm-hmm. that she was like, yeah, fine. I guess um, hang out. At the wedding, Wilfred invited one of his mistresses and oh, the whole <laughs> the whole time... She was just crying through the ceremony. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anne wrote about the wedding in her journals, and it was sort of devoid of any emotion Mm -hmm. as opposed to, like, other entries. So, you know, she didn't seem to enjoy it much. But here she is married, and now she is Lady Anne Blunt. Pretty immediately after their marriage, they had some issues. Surprise. (laughs) Um... (laughs) But the main one, unfortunately, was the fertility issues that they had. And mm-hmm. Anne had suffered from many miscarriages. And while Anne was struggling through this, like, the beginning end of it, mm-hmm. Wilfred got himself a mistress. And it was, in it's fact, like... the one who was crying at their wedding. No! <laughs> Let it go! He can't. <laughs> at this time, the two also began to travel independently of one another. Okay. And then when their schedules would line up they would try to have a kid they'd bang yeah they'd be like maybe maybe uh, it'll work this time yeah Anne wasn't too stoked about the fact that they weren't traveling together because she was like we're, we're married we're supposed to do that mm-hmm. but old willie the rake was like ah time away from the missus Perse- p- perfect time to get my willie wet ew <laughs> can had you, <laughs> never say those words to me again what he got his dick wet. Willy wet. That whatever. Willy the Willy the rake got his willy wet. 
I don't like it. That's a tongue twister. <laughs> Can we not make that a thing? Wet willy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Anne got pregnant again and gave birth to a little boy. However, the boy died in infancy. Mm. And this devastated both of them. And then so Willie the Rake got another mistress to cope. There's he has so many mistresses I can't name them all. He has a brothel. That's not really because he doesn't keep them all in one house. And he's probably not paying them. No, he's just charismatic young man. (laughs) But he got another mistress to cope, and Anne was like, you know, I'm have a passion for horses. I like riding, Mm -hmm. and I am interested in the science behind breeding them. And Mm. so. On a recently inherited land known as Crabbit Park, she began to breed horses. Um, The couple miscarried a few more times and gave birth to a few more children that never survived infancy before they welcomed their little girl Judith into the family. I like the name Judith. Yes, Judith. I forgot her middle name. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I was going to give the full name, but I just wrote down Judith. Judith, 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 (laughs) Judith. Sorry. Anne was overjoyed at the birth of her daughter and even more ecstatic Mm -hmm. that she survived through childhood. And while Wilfred Wilfred loved her (laughs) and took care of her in her childhood, he made it clear to both Anne and Judith that he would have preferred a boy. Fuck you, You Willie! (laughs) (laughs) This... Okay. A lot of the story is like, Anne did this thing. Also, her husband's a jackass. And for the sake of time, I look, I like took out a lot of the Willie the jackass bits. <sighs> Just the worst. But get ready for more. Oh, boy. Anne, for the most part, ignored her husband's continued affair, affairs and just focused on breeding her horses. Mm-hmm. She was like, this is my passion. This is mm-hmm. what I'm doing. Um, and then it was at this time after Judith Judith was born that she began breeding British and Arabian horses together, together. Okay. which was something that hadn't really been done before. Hmm. The couple then traveled to Turkey, like okay. took the time to travel to Turkey, and she acquired more horses there for her stable. And Wilfred actually became very interested and devoted to the effort of raising horses, hmm. raising and breeding horses. And they also had a really lovely time in Turkey. And she described this time as one of the happiest outings of her life and considered it more of a honeymoon than her original one. Oh, wow. Yeah. She was happy. But, of course, the happiness was short-lived because they got back to England and Willie the Rake moved in a woman named Mrs. Minnie Pollen and her husband into one of their estates. Okay. And had Minnie take care of Judith while... Anne and him were away. Okay. Traveling. Mm Mm-hmm. Minnie, of course, was his mistress. Of course. And was from the very beginning. Like, he moved her in with the intention of being like, oh, my mistress is here. Yeah, yeah. And he thought he was- The nanny is gonna take care of our child. He thought he was so fucking smart, because he was like, Anne doesn't know, and her husband doesn't know. But they both knew. Fucking idiot. He's just stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I hate him. God damn him. Um, so for 15 years- Anne and Wilfred traveled to the Middle East, purchasing horses and bringing them back to Crabbit Park to breed them and grow their business. Uh, he kept Minnie as his mistress, but he also had other mistresses at the time as well. Honestly. 
he's a bad guy. <laughs> Anyways, uh, his philandering got him into some troubles, so he decided that it was time to be faithful to his wife, <laughs> focus on the horses, and find God. As people do. <laughs> Good, the the classic choice. Your face. <laughs> that was a quick turnaround. I wonder how that happened. I wonder if it's going to last. Probably not. I don't think it usually does. It doesn't. He's going to fall off that horse into another vagina. <laughs> you, Two of his favorite things. Horses, vaginas, into oh. one joke. <laughs> so, he found God. Mm-hmm. And then him and Anne started planning the biggest, their biggest trip yet. And they were going through the Bedouin tribe lands, which is like central Middle East. So, it's like... Iran, Syria, Iraq. Okay. That, uh-huh. That's where the Bedouin tribes oh, okay. are. They had a travel guide, but Anne noticed a huge issue while they were traveling. Uh, they didn't know Arabic, nor did they know the culture. And this prevented them from getting really the most out of their trip. Mm-hmm. Anne was like, no, this won't do. I already know like four other languages. I might as well pick up Arabic. Yeah. So she started learning and became fluent. Oh, wow. And the next time they went to the area, she was just hardcore networking with the locals and was like learning their culture and making connections mm-hmm. and her efforts were re- were rewarded and people in the area began referring her to the best horse breeders in that mm. er- like in the Bedouin tribe area and she was purchasing them and like really just she's on making the a game. lot of commerce happen yes um and she really felt like she fit in here she was like, this is what I'm meant to do. She mm-hmm. was happier here than anywhere else. And she really felt that she'd found her calling. And at this time, she also just aged past 40. Mm-hmm. And remember, her mom was like, you're going to die. Yeah, yeah. And she just was like, my mother was wrong. And I'm living my best life. Uh-huh. And I can just start doing what I want. Because I thought I was going to be dead at this point. So she was just traveling left and right and really getting shit done. Uh-huh. Um, she also became a Catholic at this time. Okay. Which is against, like, what her whole family was. Yeah. Um, and it was, like, the first time she was able to be, like, my family doesn't control me. Like, my history, my family mm-hmm. history doesn't control me. Mm-hmm. I'm making my own choices. So yeah. she really enjoyed the Catholic life um, and also the horse breeding life. All right. Get it. <laughs> I, I sort of went off on that one, but I'll jump back in this sentence. Okay. She traveled more often, focused on her business and passion, and was churning out buff horses, <laughs> just so swole and yoked. I can't. I can't deal. Uh, she was also super into journaling, like I said earlier, uh-huh. and was taking super detailed and inf- informative notes of her travels and, like, sketching the landscape plotting where tribes were and oh wow um at wilfred's urging and compiled her notes into a book yay <laughs> uh they were called the bedouin tribes of the euphrates i think that's you euphrates yeah euphrates, euphrates. Mm-hmm. sorry i thought that was a, like a greek play oh. or not play but greek <laughs> mythical character and i was like uh-huh. that's that's not right that's but not it good. is and boy oh boy was this book a hit it was huge and regarded with high esteem because it was a quote first look mm-hmm. uh, into these cultures that Europeans had not heard much of before. Yeah, and not only that, the maps that she had sketched were super accurate and well detailed. And up in the into the twentieth century, mm-hmm. cartographers were using her maps as references. Oh wow! 
That's crazy. That's wild to me. I don't know how people make maps <laughs> before satellite. Much like we don't know how they build bridges or fucking anything else. Well, like, how do you make a map before satellites? Because you don't get, like, a bird's eye view of anything. Exactly. You just have to guess. And, like, I took 20 steps and that's... I don't know. Anyways, she had... She was really good at it. So it was really... Her life was going really well. Uh, but Willie the Rake claimed partial credit for the book, even mm-hmm. though it had nothing to do with him. Like, he didn't do anything in it. Um, <laughs> on one occasion, he cut off a person who was congratulating Anne. He was like, oh, yeah, that was a really good book, uh-huh. Anne. It was a real big hit. And he said, <laughs> you mean congrats on our book? No. <laughs> so he, like, wouldn't let it die. Jesus. He's that one asshole in class. Who has nothing to do with the group project and doesn't contribute at all. Mm-hmm. And then is, like, super stoked when everybody gets an A. Yeah. That's him. Suck a dick, Willie. <laughs> <You> suck, <laughs> suck a Willie, Willie. <laughs> um, after the success of the book, Anne continued her travels into areas that were more dangerous because of inclement weather and the fact that they were really uncharted land. Mm-hmm. In her diaries, it also became clear that Anne was becoming tired of Willie. And his stupid shenanigans. goddamn time. But nonetheless, she went on. And there's a story about one such shenanigans that he did. He decided he needed to shoot a wild boar, which weirdly fits into, like, (laughs) the guy on Twitter who was just like, (laughs) I need an automatic rifle to shoot 20 to 30 boars. 30 to 50 boars in my yard. So he... Fucking move. (laughs) (laughs) But he was like, I need to shoot a boar. And then the boar went crazy and, like, hurt some of the horses they had just bought. And was like, yeah, he was just a doofus. But, you know, she was just like, I'm sick of this bitch, but I'm I'm stuck with him. Mm -hmm. After these travels, she wrote another book called A Pilgrimage to Nedge. And that was another hit in Europe. Because it was just like her first one, but mm-hmm. a slightly different area. Things were going well, except for the fact that Willie the Rake decided to be a philanderer again. And he also... told you it wouldn't I'm, last long. I'm, and he also decided that he was going to really aggressively take credit for the horse breeding process. Jesus Christ, he is the worst of the worst. So, historically speaking, until more <sighs> recent times, Wilfred mm-hmm. got most of the credit mm-hmm. for her work. Uh, if not all of it. And nowadays we can look at Judith's letters and, like, documents and stuff and see that her mother was the one that did most of the work and was the business, the business savvy one. Mm -hmm. And her father was actually really reckless in his management and threatened the business at times. Mm -hmm. So he would let, like, the stables go under, like, become in disrepair, essentially, while they were away. Mm -hmm. And it was really, like, their horse... Many horses died under his care. Exactly. He did a really shitty way to run a business. Yeah. He didn't know what he was doing. Ay-yay-yay. They opened a stable in Cairo Mm -hmm. because that's where they were traveling a lot. And even though they wanted to focus on horse breeding, they were dragged into being translators and mediators between the Egyptian and English governments. Mm. Um, Willie the Rake at this time overstepped his duties <laughs> and his shit stirring became so out of control that he was banned from Egypt for three years. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> he also was really disliked in England, but... <laughs> 
Who likes him? Nobody, I don't think. Well, he was disliked in England because he was anti-imperialist. Okay. Which I can commend. Yes. Because he was like, we should stop conquering these people. <laughs> and it's like, that's one good take you had, William. That's the only good thing about William. His name's not William, it's Wilfred. I don't know why I said William. <laughs> Whatever. Fucking Whatever. Willie the Rake, this is your one shining... Shining, shining attribute. attribute. Other than that, you're <laughs> just a giant piece of shit. Yeah. But he just wasn't liked, so it was really harming their social standing in life. Okay, where was I? Banned from Egypt for three years. Oh, it gets worse. Uh, it was also at this time that he began an affair with a woman named Lady Augusta Gregory. And he not only had this affair, he openly declared his love for her. And this That's is frowned upon when you're fucking married. Yeah. So Lady Anne often turned a blind eye to his affair, but yeah. declaring love was another thing. Mm-hmm. And not only that, he told Lady Gregory that he wanted to focus on his work, that he wasn't getting paid for. Um, because he, it wasn't work. He was just sticking, he just would show up to offices mm-hmm. and be like, let's discuss things. And they're like, <laughs> who are you? <laughs> you're not a diplomat. <laughs> but he was like, I got to focus on my work, babe. And then he got upset after he cut it off because mm-hmm. he wasn't getting attention anymore from her. He I became this man. he became quote unsufferable and short tempered, and towards Lady Anne, and she remarked that Lady Gregory gets the rose petals and the thorns were kept for me mm-hmm. in terms of like what she was experiencing from Wilfred at that point. Yep. Um. And so she wrote this like huge two page letter to him and it was the first time that she was essentially like you're an asshole and you've hurt my feelings mm-hmm. i've let a lot go on but this is un uncool. you declaring <laughs> love for this woman and then like putting the kibosh on it mm-hmm. i'm done yeah <laughs> good for so, her in his response mm-hmm. he was it was as shitty as he was essentially yeah so i'm gonna quote him oh Oh, we and then fucking words. Okay. Yes. And then we'll unpack what he has said. Though I have loved other women, I have not for that reason been less kind to my wife, nor had she the cause to reproach me with the neglect of those duties for which matrimony was primarily ordained. No one in truth had ever had a stronger desire for the procreation of children, and yet we had no heir. Now, however, the day of such hopes was fairly at an end. And with the vanishing of what we have so long desired in a common, in, in common, a certain estrangement has begun, begun between us, for which I do not, one, in my conscience, think I am to blame. So, he say, and then he goes on to say that her ignoring his affairs made him think it was okay to have affairs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, okay, so let's unpack. Please, because I have <laughs> things to say. Essentially. From the top. (laughs) He says, I cheated on you, but I was nice to you. So you should be thankful for that. And Mm -hmm. you shouldn't complain. Also, I wanted a kid and you didn't give it to me. So I'm allowed to cheat on you. Yeah. She had... It was not for lack of want. She had serious fertility issues. Yes. And he throws it in her face. I'm going to kick him in his dick. And then also completely ignores the fact that before they were done having kids, he was cheating on her already. He invited his mistress 
to be their to, child's nanny. Well, to their wedding, to their <laughs> to their wedding, and then into their home, and then to take care of their child that she had mm-hmm. with him. And they had a child together, but it wasn't a boy. So he was like, "Eh, you're, it's your fault. I'm not, cheating. You're not picking up your part of this." I'm going to go make bait. I love to procreate. Mm. I'm going to go just do my duty. Mm. Just. He's a can't (laughs) deal. What a fucker. So in response to this, (laughs) she basically just said, fuck all humans. All I need is me and my fucking horses. (laughs) (laughs) And they were at this point emotionally like divorced or separated Mm -hmm. but Anne still supported him financially and creatively um but then but like mostly just stayed out of his way like Mm -hmm. these lived in the same houses but she was like they're basically roommates (sighs) yes essentially Mm -hmm. judith and Anne began to travel together more out away from wilfred Mm -hmm. and judith was coming to an age where she began to see how much of her a dickhead her father was yeah and told Anne that she feared if she entered into a marriage it would be like theirs oh god and this like destroyed Anne, and she was like i'm just gonna ignore it like i ignore <laughs> all my problems and i'm just gonna sit in the stable with my uh-huh. horses it made she was kind of sad at this point but also becoming more eccentric mm-hmm. um <laughs> i love an eccentric woman <laughs> So, Willie the Rake ended up having a son out of wedlock, and Anne decided to pay for the child's schooling, which was very nice of her. Yeah. And then he had another child out of wedlock, but she was like, I hate this. I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm not condoning this bad behavior. Because the woman he got pregnant was a married woman. For fuck's sake. Yeah. (laughs) So, Wilfred, if we don't already dislike him, uh, caused the family to enter into money troubles because he was just mismanaging money, overspending, and Anne's brothers made her promise to stop paying for his shit. (laughs) They were like, your inheritance should not be at risk because your dumbass husband can't get his shit together. Yeah. And so they began losing some horses because of his mismanagement of money and it was stressing her out because she loves horses more than anything they're yeah. the only thing that gives her she's not a crazy life. cat lady she's a crazy horse lady yeah she's a horse girl <laughs> <laughs> oh she is and horse girls are powerful they are so she didn't let him deter her from her passion and began breeding horses at secret locations uh, that only her and Judith knew about. Like, she would not even tell Wilfred where she was going. Uh-huh. And she also began to acquire horses on her own dime. So with her inheritance money, she was spending it to do what she wanted and wouldn't yeah. let Wilfred touch it. And began sleeping in her riding habits so that when she would wake up, she could just walk to the stables and h- jump on her horse. That seems uncomfortable. She also stopped calling human doctors and would only be seen by a vet. Okay. <laughs> Imagine him taking her temperature. <laughs> I like to imagine her calling the vet to the stables and the, him going through all the horses and checkups. She goes, okay, now do me. And him being like, excuse me? She's like, no, do me now. I'm feeling a little sick. 
Come on, <sighs> vet. So, that's what I'm saying. She got a little I'm more eccentric. I'm trying to unpack that in my head, and I'm just <laughs> a little put off by it. In 1906, mm-hmm. and officially separated from Wilfred. Because he, after Lady Gregory, he just didn't give a shit anymore about Anne and her feelings. And he openly moved his newest mistress into the house that they were sharing. But also, okay, that's the reason she cites. But it also could have been because she was getting mad that he was harming the horses. Yeah. And she was just like, "Mm -mm, I'm out. (laughs) So in their separation, Lady Anne was able to keep Crabbit Park and half of the horse stock. And... Wilfred took Caxton's farm and the rest of the stock. So they had they had several farms at this point. Uh-huh. He thought Anne owed him money because she got Crabbit Park. Anyways. My head I'd, hurts from my eyes rolling so far fucking back he, in my head. We should start a podcast about just shitty men. <laughs> <laughs> because, please, honestly, can we? I can talk a half an hour about how shitty Wilfred was. He had an affair with Judas, his daughter's best friend. No. And after she got married, Judith's best friend, he was like, nobody loves me. I've been abandoned by everybody. I can't deal. Yeah. I cannot. And Judith couldn't be friends with her best friend anymore because she, she fucked her dad. Yeah. And she they like wouldn't come around the same prop. Anyways. Oh, boy. <clears throat> He's a bad dude. Mm-hmm. I'm coming to the end, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> so, following the separation... Lady Anne had Judith run the Crabbit estate, and she just pieced the fuck out of England and moved to Cairo. Oh. Yeah. She lived there for two years on that stable, very happy, before passing away and leaving her estate to Judith's children and an unfinished manuscript to Judith. Today, so this is... I had four pages worth, so this end feels a little choppy. (laughs) Okay. Anyways... So, ah, I dropped something. So, today, over 90% of all Arabian horses registered in the world Mm -hmm. can be traced back to her. That's fucking cool. So, like, that's, I mean, that's really her legacy aside from the map making and the violin and the three books. The other cool (laughs) shit that she was really good at. Yeah. Dang. that's, That's really cool. Yeah. Man. She's a fucking winner. Yeah. I can't believe she put up with for really the so bullshit for decades. Yeah. And it might have also been, she might have not super been down for divorce because she was Catholic. Oh. Mm, mm-hmm. And then. Which would her, make sense. She's like, I mean, I guess I'll hang especially around. Especially in the like 1800s. Yeah. 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 Well, hot but, damn. I love, I love a horse girl. I love a horse girl. Lady Anne Blunt, the horse girl. I like it. And then her daughter ended up running the farm. Mm-hmm. And she became famous in her own right for breeding Polish horses. That's really cool. Yeah. And she lived past 40. Yeah, she did. And then some. And then died of dysentery. Really? Dysentery? Yeah. Oh, that's a bummer. Mm, bum. <laughs> comes out of your butt. What? She died at 80. Shit! She lived double the 40. She lived twice as long. That's crazy. Good for her. Yeah. I feel feel really bad for her, because, like, from the beginning, she was controlled and mistreated up until 
I mean, until 1906, when she separated her hu- from her husband. Mm-hmm. But she just kept doing what she wanted to do. Good and was reason. really good at it. Yeah, she was. Anyways. All right. Who are you doing? I. Um. So, last week, I talked about Calamity Jane. I was like, who did I talk about <laughs> last week? <laughs> oh, it was two episodes ago. The last time we spoke, it was two episodes. But there is an episode in between. Anyway. So... I talked about Calamity Jane, mm-hmm. and in that talked about General George Custer, mm-hmm. and about the woman who knocked him off his horse. Oh, so that's who I'm talking about today. Okay, I'm um, excited. Yes, it's it's very it's a very cool story. Also, there's um, I probably should have like I don't know tried to cut this down a little bit, but I thought there was a lot of information about it's like. Native American history that never gets Con- talked about. Context. Yes, there's a lot of context about, you know, her tribe and what she was going through. Mm-hmm. And also, we don't have, like, a ton of information about her specifically because it was lost. And a lot of it just was not written down. It's all just oral history. Yeah. So, yeah. A lot of context. So, I'm just going to... I'm just going to jump in. Let's do it. Okay. So her name was Buffalo Calf Road Woman. For, just for sake of easiness, I'm just going to say Buffalo Calf. Okay. Okay. So she was probably born around 1844 in Wyoming. During this time, so she's part of the Cheyenne tribe. During this time, the Cheyenne people lived according to the Treaty of 1825. Okay. And basically, the Cheyenne agreed to the, quote, supremacy of the United States government and were basically left to kind of do their thing, but they had a bunch of, like, trade restrictions. Yeah. Because of all these trade restrictions, the Cheyenne tribe split into, like, northern and southern, and so she was part of the northern Cheyenne tribe. So... She's a young girl at this point, probably somewhere between, like, five and eight. So, here comes 1849, right? The mm-hmm. gold rush. Oh, yeah, Huge gold rush. Uh, thousands of people are moving through, like, Cheyenne territory on their way to California. Mm-hmm. These 49ers, unlike the wagon trains and people who are on the Oregon Trail, were fucking gross. <laughs> <laughs> They're a bunch of heathens mm-hmm. who have, like, terrible hygiene practices. They're gross as fuck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and as a result of them being gross and bringing all of these germs yeah. from from Europe and all these other places, the result is a huge cholera epidemic. Mm-hmm. Buffalo Calf and her brother, his name is Comes in Sight. Mm-hmm. They both miraculously fucking survived because they were both children. Oh, wow. And cholera wipes out children and old people like this. (laughs) I snapped. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) There we go. Yeah. So they both survived. However, the tribe as a whole lost between one third to potentially one half of all of their people. Ugh. It's a lot. devastating. It's absolutely devastating. So this tragedy was the first of many shitty things to happen to the Cheyenne people 
Obvi. Mm-hmm. And didn't leave, like, great feelings about white folks <laughs> for mm-hmm. for Buffalo Calf and the rest of her tribe. They're like, yeah. fuck, man. This Among is- other things, um, you gave us disease. Exactly. Yeah. So during, like, growing up, the Cheyenne culture had their own set of, like, gender roles. Mm-hmm. But they were a lot less restrictive than those of, like, white European American society. Yeah. So no one was, like, surprised or questioned it when Buffalo Calf learned how to ride a horse and shoot, and you know, shoot mm-hmm. guns. But also, um, you know, traditional weapons and, um, and became part of, like, a hunting, like, part of the hunting group. So in 1851, the Cheyenne, along with a bunch, like several other Plains tribes, signed another treaty at Fort Laramie, Wyoming. So basically, the U.S. wanted to make travel safer for the white folks, like making their way to the West Coast. Yeah, and they wanted to bring an end to like intertribal fighting. Mm-hmm. So they called this big ceasefire and set up like formal boundaries. Like, okay, you guys stay here. You guys stay here. No more fighting. Blah, blah, blah. And then the government also got permission, like, from the tribes to build roads and forts within their territory and (laughs) promised to pay for the use of land and resources. P.S. That never happened. Yeah. The government lied. The government lied. (laughs) (laughs) They would never... There hasn't been a government around here. (laughs) Uh, So I said, surprise, surprise. Uh, White settlers would often refuse to respect the tribe's people Mm -hmm. and their land, uh, which was not good. Shit went sideways within just a few years of signing this treaty. And the Cheyenne were tired of putting up with bullshit. And so they began raiding wagon trains and kidnapping Essentially, women and children to try and build back their back their communities. Yeah, yeah. And in retaliation, the government attacked and just decimated huge settlements mm-hmm. of Cheyenne people. So then they signed another treaty, and the Cheyenne people were offered a reservation in Colorado. So they're in Wyoming. Yeah, they're offered another plot of land in Colorado, but it's one thirteenth the size Mm -hmm. of what they had. Yeah. Also, it's removing them from the natural wonders and stuff that they worship and are spiritually linked to. Absolutely. It was completely picking up and moving them to a new place, a tiny amount of land. Mm -hmm. And they didn't, I mean, they couldn't say no. Mm -hmm. And it's a treaty if they said no, they would have all died. It exactly. Was, it was it was move and live or stay and die. Those are your options. Mm-hmm. Really fucked up. Yeah. So they didn't have a choice, so they went. So during this time, when the Chi- when the Northern Cheyenne people, all of that is to say, Buffalo Calf, this is all happening to her her mm-hmm. tribe. She's experiencing this. Yes. So once they got to Colorado. Uh, she married a warrior named Black Coyote. Things, they must have been good. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's apparently it was super easy to get divorced. 
Hmm. Like within, with, you know, within the Cheyenne uh, tribe. But she never did. Like she stayed with them until she died. So things must have been going okay. Yeah. Like. Not not like like that. Anne and Will. Willie the Rake. And then she also, during this time, joined an exclusive group of warrior women called the Elk Scraper Society. Oh. So. I've never heard. In order to join this group, she had to prove her skills in battle, her bravery, and her determination before she was initiated into the group by a medicine woman. Mm-hmm. So, it's very strictly enforced that no men were allowed. They're not allowed to interfere with anything. They're not allowed to, like, witness any of the initiation, anything. Oh, wow. Um, they couldn't participate in anything that had to do with this Elk Scraper Society, which I'm like, whoop, whoop. Hell yeah. Yeah. To that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I wrote, I fully supportive group of warrior women <laughs> where no men are allowed. Uh, I think we should get that started. <laughs> and a group of warrior women? Yeah, absolutely. What would we fight? Everybody. <laughs> oh, I'm into that. The patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, right. I'm on board. Uh, so as a sign of her membership in this, like, elite group, she began carrying a specially crafted shield along with her rifle. And then she went on raids with all the other warriors while, like, mothers, mm-hmm. other mothers in the tribe would care for her children. Hell yeah. Can you imagine how flummoxed the men they were attacking were? Right? they were like, a woman what on a doing? horse with a gun? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> They've beaten me? Me? But I'm a, I'm a man. I'm a man. I don't exactly. know why I'm going to this voice right now. I like now. it. I like it. I mean, yeah, Danny's into it, too. Okay, so the Cheyenne tried to live on this reservation in Colorado. They tried to make it work. But some things were happening that made it impossible for them to live their, like, traditional way of life. Number one, government corruption slash just not giving a shit. Yeah. And complete indifference to the pleas of these people, yeah. right? Yeah. Number two was construction of the Transcontinental Railroad. <laughs> they put them on land that was going to be cut through by the... Yes. T- yep. On brand. Um, <laughs> very on brand. And so this railroad, obviously, mm-hmm. first of all, so many people died when it was being built. Yeah. But also, it disrupted the migration patterns of the wild buffalo. That mm-hmm. all of the Plains tribes depended on yeah, for not only sustenance, but clothing and shelter and, you know, weapons. Yeah. Everything. Every part of the, every part of the buffalo was used. Absolutely. So that was bad. But also, just like tacking on the end, shitty white people <laughs> bringing disease, like fucking dysentery and smallpox and cholera and all these other terrible things. And... They really, they were just bad neighbors. Yeah. I mean, they were invaders. Absolutely. <laughs> they're coming in, taking everybody's shit. Yeah. Making everybody sick. I mean, attempting genocide on several occasions. All, all, all the fucking time. Yeah. All the time. I mean. So, all of it's the... bad. <laughs> it's 
it's very bad. All of these things set the stage for the rise of Crazy Horse. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was telling you, Crazy Horse Monument is very cool. Yes. Someday it will be done. <laughs> and it will be gorgeous. Um, Crazy Horse was a Lakota who brought his tribe, the Sioux, the Arapaho, and the Cheyenne all together. it just got some shit to say. No, Nugget's not in here. I don't think Nugget's in here. I hope Nugget's not in here. There are cats going wild right now. (laughs) (laughs) Leave all of this in. Nugget might be in here. I don't know where, though. We're going to take a quick cat break. We're going to take a quick cat break. We're going to try and figure out. I swear Nugget was out there. Here, I have to go get my water bottle. Danny is currently <laughs> crawling around on the floor looking for the cat. <laughs> no, I think she just wants attention. I'm gonna go get my water bottle. Do it. Both of your cats are whining, are meowing wildly. <laughs> and I wonder if there's a ghost out there. Probably. She's she's real good at finding the spirits. Nugget's definitely out there. Okay, good. Okay, where was I? Lakota. I'm, I'm uh, just he, gonna start again. He bonded <clears throat> together. Okay, yes. So, the Lakota, the Sioux, Arapaho, and Cheyenne mm-hmm. brought them all together to fight back against the United States. Mm-hmm. So, Buffalo Calf Road Woman <laughs> gathered her shield. <laughs> Did you hear that? I could hear that. I burped. I'm sorry. <laughs> I couldn't. I came. You out didn't of really burp. It just kind of came from within. It's because I was trying to. I had to burp, and I was like, "Don't burp," but it stayed within me, and it was too powerful, <laughs> so it made a noise. I'm really sorry. There's, there's ghosts. <laughs> the ghost is inside, inside of me. Of her. <laughs> Help! <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hmm. I'm really sorry that this is no, being no, cut off. It's Go fine. ahead. No, no. Leave that in. Buffalo Calf Road Woman <laughs> gathered her shield, her gun, and her horse. And along with her brother and her husband, they all joined Crazy Horse's army. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. So Crazy Horse and his army first met the U.S. Army near Rosebud Creek. So this, in American history, would become the Battle of Rosebud. Mm-hmm. This battle ensues, and the U.S. Army quickly takes the upper hand. Comes in sight, her brother, Mm -hmm. is essentially, like, bringing up the rear. They retreat. He's bringing up the rear, making sure everybody's, like, you know, still together and still safe. But he gets hit with a bullet, and he falls off his horse. So, Buffalo Calf sees this happen... And when the other men around did nothing, they just Mm -hmm. continued their retreat, she fucking, like, turned her horse around, spurred it on, and rode directly into the line of fire. Yeah. And so she finds her brother, drags him up onto her horse, and rode them both to safety. Oh, wow. Yeah. And because of this, among the Cheyenne... This battle is known as the battle where the girl saved her brother. 
Oh. Which I was like, that's fucking beautiful. That's really nice. Um, her bravery set an example for all of the other warriors and inspired, they then returned this retreat into a fucking massive victory mm-hmm. the following week. Hell yeah. Okay. So we're coming to the we're coming to the pinnacle. So eight days later. This is on June 25th, 1876. Crazy Horse's army met with General George Custer at Little Bighorn. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is also called Custer's Last Stand. And it's become one of the most studied battles in American military history. Oh, wow. So, on this fateful day, roughly 700 American soldiers who were by far had more guns, had more ammo, Mm -hmm. had more uh, access to technology, access, access to technology. Exactly. Met with somewhere between 1500 and 2000 native Americans. (laughs) So I put stick a fork in him. Custer is done. (laughs) He made some very bad tactical errors mm-hmm. as far as like where he sent his men and how to try and fucking break the line mm-hmm. right according to various native accounts buffalo calf roadwoman the only female cheyenne warrior on the field mm-hmm. there were several other I- i'm actually going to mention one momentarily there were several other female warriors from a cu- from a couple of the other tribes. Yeah. But she was the only female Cheyenne warrior on the field that day. Oh, okay. So basically she rides up on her horse at the top of this big hill where Custer is overseeing everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. She essentially like, sneaks up on him and uses some kind of like club mm-hmm. type thing and smacks him in the back and he flies off his horse. <laughs> Then a good. <laughs> good, that's right. And then a Sioux warrior named Fast Eagle held him down on the ground, while another Sioux warrior, Moving Robe Woman, mm. stabbed him Ooh. in the back. Though, okay, so the last details there mm-hmm. about him getting stabbed is conflicting evidence. So based on post-mortem reports, mm-hmm. like when they recovered Custer's body, it was said that he had two gunshot wounds mm-hmm. that are reportedly were reportedly fired by Buffalo Calf. Oh, okay. However, this idea that there were also stab wounds in his back, mm-hmm may or may not have been, like, casually left out by the government Mm -hmm. in this effort to, like, Custer fucked everyone that day. (laughs) Like, things went really, really badly for him. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a possibility that this happened and they casually left it out because they didn't want essentially reporters to find out that he had been knocked off of his horse because he wasn't fucking paying attention. Oh, yeah. And was also stabbed in the back by a woman Mm -hmm. in addition to him just being a shitty leader. Yeah. 
So. To save him, save some face. To save some face. Yes, exactly. So, the, this that's speculation. But mm-hmm. we know for sure that Buffalo Calf Road Woman is the one who essentially caught him by surprise and knocked him off his horse. Mm-hmm. Leading to whatever end. Whatever demise. Whatever demise he met. So, this happened. And then her people, so the Cheyenne, were sworn to secrecy for 100 summers. So, like, after this battle, uh-huh. they all got together and said, nobody fucking say a word about this for 100 summers because they were afraid of the retaliation that they would face if the government found out oh. that one of their, their, one of yeah. their people... Was the one who took down Custer. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So, 100 summers. And actually, it was, it turned out to be more like 130 years. Because it was, it was only in 2005 that Cheyenne Elders sat down and had this big, like, okay, we can tell you now. Yeah. This is how this played out and how we've passed this story on through history. Which is fucking bananas. That's wild. Wild. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Okay. So they, yeah, they revealed all this information in 2005. For her actions at the Rosebud and at Little Bighorn, Buffalo Calf, Calf Road Woman earned a new name and they called her Brave Woman. Aww. Which I love. Though Crazy Horse's army won the battle... Little Bighorn has become, like, the definition of winning the battle, but losing the war. Okay. Because they fucking decimated the U.S. Army in the Battle of Little Bighorn. But they then increased their forces and brought in more people and more guns. And after that, slowly, like took more and more control and forced all of the Plains tribes onto reservations. Yeah. Buffalo Calf was fucking not about that. (laughs) So she and a small band of her people constantly stayed on the move and were fleeing from the army. Other Cheyenne, like smaller groups of Cheyenne people surrendered, allowing themselves to be taken to a reservation in Oklahoma. But Buffalo Calf Road Woman, despite... Okay, so in this chunk of time, she was pregnant, she gave birth, and then after she gave birth, she carried this infant strapped to her fucking back Mm -hmm. all this time fighting against U.S. soldiers. Wow. (laughs) Trying to escape them, essentially avoiding being caught and put on this reservation. Yeah. However, she could not hold out forever. So eventually she was overtaken and the small group she was with were forced marched by the army back to a reservation in Oklahoma. It was terrible. And she's like, I gotta, I gotta take care of my babies. Cause she had, she had like a small child with her, mm-hmm. but also had this new baby on her back. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, this place is the fucking worst. I've got to take care of my babies. I'm getting the fuck out of here. So her and about 300 other Cheyenne people. Wow. Fucking noped out of there. And began a 1,500-mile trek back to Colorado. I think they were going... 
look. My timeline, I think they're going to Colorado. They also might have been going back to Wyoming. I don't remember. Also, it's a little confusing because they're bouncing all over the fucking place. This is happening in the snow. Mm, It's, I don't know if you've ever. Bad snow. You've never seen a Midwestern winter. I haven't. I have. And they're fucking brutal. There's no mountains. So -hmm. there's a lot of wind that just blows. It's. Oh my gosh, they're bad. So all of this is happening, like, in the middle of winter. They're constantly having to run and hide from soldiers who are hunting them down. Mm-hmm. Then there's this altercation between her husband, Black Coyote, and another man. And he kills this other guy. Black Coyote? Black Coyote. Okay. Kills this other guy. So then Black Coyote... Buffalo road woman, Buffalo calf road woman, their children and a couple other members of their family. There's like eight of them mm-hmm. are banished from this group. Oh no. And sent into exile. So they have to go and fucking try and fend it for themselves. Mm-hmm. So shortly after that, the army catches up to them. Black coyote then kills a U.S. soldier mm-hmm. trying to defend his family and trying to get away. Yeah. So then they're captured and brought back to Fort Keogh. It's bad. He's he's tried. Black Coyote is tried yeah. and sentenced to death mm-hmm. for shooting the soldier. And I, it's a good thing <laughs> that, we'll just put it this way, it's a good thing that the Cheyenne people kept Buffalo Calf's secret for so long. Oh, because if she was... Because she would have been fucking done for. Yeah. If anybody knew what really happened Mm -hmm. to Custer. So, that being said, she's heartbroken. She's alone in this reservation with her two babies. Buffalo Calf Road Woman fell ill with, quote, the white man's cough. Okay. So, it was either malaria or diphtheria. Okay. It was one of those two things. So she died in Miles City, which is in Oklahoma, in May of 1879. Mm. The Cheyenne were one of the last tribes to surrender to this thing called Manifest Destiny, mm-hmm. which was like the overall, like, yeah, what's in, right? Yeah. Inhabit. Um, westward Ho. Westward, yep. And Buffalo Calf Road Woman was one of the last Cheyenne to surrender. She displayed courage and devotion to defending her people and their way of life and gave her all to resist the forces of colonialism and to fight against a government which refused to acknowledge her personhood. Hmm. And that is the story of Buffalo Calf Road Woman. I like that a lot. Thank you. I don't... Um, I'll, I'll admit it. I don't know many Native American figures Mm -hmm. because that wasn't a big portion of my studying Mm -hmm. and then when i started having an interest in native american history and stuff Mm -hmm. it's more about like big things and less about individual yes it's events rather than people Mm -hmm. so i always like hearing hearing yeah and because it's because i grew up in south dakota Mm -hmm. with all of this history, like, just being surrounded by it. Mm-hmm. And also being friends with and knowing a lot of Natives. Tr- native people. Mm-hmm. 
I got a lot of a lot of this history from going on field trips. Yeah. And taking our South Dakota history class. So it's something that I surprisingly know about mm-hmm. without realizing that I know about it. Yeah. You know? It's in your periphery it, of knowledge. Exactly. It's in there. Mm-hmm. I don't remember when and where I picked it up, but all of these things are like, yeah, I know that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, real quick, I don't want to forget my sources because they were really good. So there's a mental floss article and they do this thing called retrobituaries. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. And it's called Buffalo Calf Road Woman Custer's Final Foe. And then I also used AmazingWomenInHistory.com, The League of Extraordinary Ladies.com, which is a fantastic website. And then there's also a book called Buffalo Calf Road Woman The Story of a Warrior of the Little Bighorn. And that's by Rosemary Aganito. Okay. And so, that's that. I really liked that one. There was a lot of information, but I was like, we need to know context of, like, what's happening. It's important to know. Yeah. Exactly. Hmm. And that's that. That's that on that. Boom. Boom. All right, everyone. That's all we got for you this week. Sure is. That's right. So, you should follow us on social media. Uh Uh-huh. On Twitter, we are that no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. On Twitter, we are at Broads Got Moxie. And on Instagram and Facebook, we are at That Broads Got Moxie. That's right. And if you have suggestions or comments or just want to say hey, uh, you can shoot us an email at uh, thatbroadsgotmoxie at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate review. Rate, review. rate <laughs> review and subscribe wherever you're listening. Hell yeah. All right. So Bye. 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 Music by Sage Krenning. Cover art by Vinny Navarrete. Produced and edited by Danielle Barsanti. Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to stick it to the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.